lot harder to see the reason why they did the things that they did. It's a lot harder when you look into the life of Paul and you, and you see all that he had and all that he possessed and, and the things that he gave up. It's a lot harder to see why. It's a lot harder just to look and to see what Paul was going through and how he got from where he was to where he eventually got to and the passion and the drive that he had for this man Jesus and for this message that Jesus brought with him. It's a lot harder for us to look at that because, you know, for me, I think that as much as somebody like Michael Jordan wanted to win championships and wanted to be the best, I don't think, I may be wrong, I would never underestimate his drive to win, but I don't think he would die for it. I don't think that he would come in and give up his life physically to win championships. I don't think that, that Alexander the Great, he wasn't doing it necessarily. He, I, he wound up dying in battle, but I don't think that was his intent. He wouldn't, if he were giving him the choice in the moment, I don't think he would have sacrificed his life. I think he would have been like, if he knew he was going to die that day, I don't think he would have gone out to battle. You know what I'm saying? I think he would have, all of a sudden, he would have been fine with just the Persian Empire. I think that if you would have said, Alexander the Great, you go out and you fight this battle, you're going to die today. I think he would have all of a sudden been okay with 79% of the world and not gone after that other, that other 10. There's, but there's something so different about Paul because Paul didn't get wealthy. Paul didn't get rich. Paul didn't gain power. Uh, Paul, There was nothing that Paul walked away from. There was nothing that he gained physically. There was nothing that we look in his life that we see that doesn't make a lot of sense why these disciples and why somebody like Peter, why somebody like Paul and Thomas and Matthew and Luke, it, doesn't, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me, to us, when we look back and we see what were they gaining, what did they have, where did their drive come from, why were they so passionate, why did they have so much desire to spread the message of this carpenter king? Right, when the whole of the Jewish empire turned its back on, on Jesus and the Romans crucified him and they had nothing to gain from serving this King Jesus. They had nothing to gain from spreading his message. They had nothing to gain from spreading the gospel. They had nothing to gain and only things to lose by, teachings, by teaching the teachings of Jesus Christ. There was nothing in their life that they were gaining at all, yet they had more drive than just about any other movement in the history of the universe because they had nothing. I mean, you talk about a leader that, that gave them an, an immeasurable task and then didn't give them any money, uh, didn't give them any real strategy. I mean, Jesus was just like, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, which wound up being pretty awesome. I'm just going to throw that out there. All right, but, but well, I mean, when Jesus is gone, I mean, I'm, just, I'm Peter. You know, Peter's followed this guy around for, for three years. Everything hinged on this man, and now all of a sudden he's gone. And, but then Peter was more effective then than he ever was while Jesus was around. And why? Why did he take it? Why did he go? Why did they all eventually wind up giving their life for this message? Why did they do what they did and how on earth did this little itty bitty movement from a couple thousand years ago take over the world like it did? Why are we in this room this morning? Why? Because it's not obvious. I remember when I was 16 years old, I had this moment with God. I had this moment with God. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. And I've, if, if you've been around here a while or you've talked to me in any depth, you've probably heard this story. But it's just my story. It's just my testimony. Every believer in the room, you have yours. And it's, it's just as powerful. It's just as amazing. It's just as awesome. And you need to think about it. As I'm telling mine, you need to think about yours. All right, because 
there was this moment where I was sitting on the back row of this small church in Charlotte. And I remember that moment. I remember that thing. All of a sudden, we were in the first song of, of worship, and we were kind of sitting down. We were goofing around, and we were talking. And, and I remember all of the things up to that point, all of the things my life was about. I remember the, just the, the, the unsatisfaction and the emptiness. And I remember just moving up and trying to find uh, some type of satisfaction in this life through girls or through money or through the idea of this or the idea of that. And I remember that. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'm sitting on the back of this church, and, and, I, just, and I remember feeling this just overwhelming feeling, this overwhelming overwhelming presence, just this overwhelming peace in my life, and I begin to weep, and I begin to cry, and, and I remember just thinking, I've got to get out of here, and so I just kind of stood up, and, and then I just kind of made my way to the aisle, and I had all intentions of turning around and trying just to run out the back and go to the bathroom, and when I got to the aisle, it just got so strong, it was just so overwhelming, and I just remember running to the front of this church, and I just remember pleading, and I remember just feeling this overwhelming presence and peace of God. And I just remember that I remember the way my whole mentality changed just in a few moments. I remember that everything that I went in there that day thinking that I left there thinking things totally different. I remember thinking and just this peace and just all of a sudden this, this void that had always been in my life, this hole that had always been in my soul, just this unsatisfaction that had always been there, all of a sudden it was there. And when, when I started to experience that life in Christ, and when I started to follow Jesus and I started to go after him, I started to experience something that I had never experienced before. I started to feel this just this overwhelming, just amazing feeling of just of, of knowing God, of being reconciled to God, of being, of being known by my creator, knowing that all of the things that I had done and all of the ways that I had wronged him and all the things in my life that I had done, that in a moment second, they were all forgotten and they were all forgiven. And I experienced for the first time in my life just this overwhelming what I came later to know is grace and it changed me it changed the way I thought it changed my heart it changed my desires it changed everything about me and from that day forward and there were other things and I wasn't perfect and I had issues with sin and I worked through some things and I had some little passions here and there but at the end of the day I knew from that moment forward that what I was going to do with my life was going to be dramatically different than what I thought that I was going to do with my life that morning and I remember just that overwhelming feeling of knowing that I had found life in Jesus Christ, that I had found this thing, and I had heard the message before, and I had heard these things, but in that moment, I found it, and it changed my life forever. And I knew from that moment forward as I was going that this was what was going to be my life, was going to be about this and about this idea. And, and, and I knew that instantly. And Paul had a moment. Very similar to the moment I had. Very similar to some of the moments that you guys have had. That moment where you started to believe in Jesus. That moment where you gave your life to Christ. The moment where you experienced that peace or that satisfaction. The moment that God moved in your life and moved in your marriage. That was something, that, that feeling that Paul had a moment like that. Paul was so unique because Paul was one of the highest up of the religious leaders in the church. He was like top dog. And his job, you know what his job was? His job was to hunt down and kill Christians. That was what he did full time. He got up in the morning, he cooked himself some food, drank some coffee, got on a donkey and tracked down and hunt and killed Christians. That's what Paul did. And as he was going through on his way to a town uh, to hunt down and kill Christians and to arrest and to try to put down this movement that was growing 
all of a sudden he had a moment with Jesus Christ. He had a moment where everything changed. He had a moment where everything that he knew and loved and believed in, in a moment it changed. Everything that he had put his faith in before, in a moment it changed. Everything that he, that he thought life was about, in a moment it changed. In a moment's notice it changed. Christ showed up in his life in a way that, that Paul had never experienced, and he put his faith and he put his belief in Jesus Christ, and then Paul committed and dedicated every part of who he was, and he left the, the, his religious standing in the Jewish synagogue, and he left his political stances, and he left his education, he left his wealth behind, and he poured himself into this movement that he once hated, this movement that he once was trying to destroy. He now was going to serve it with all that he had. And this is what he had to say about it. In 2 Corinthians 5, 14, this is what he had to say about it. He said, it's not going to be up there. He said this. He said, I'm compelled. He said, I am compelled by the love of Jesus Christ. I am compelled. I, I, I'm, almost, I'm almost driven. All right, there's something that I experienced something with Jesus. I experienced that moment of love that I had never felt before. I experienced that moment of grace that I had never felt before. I experienced that forgiveness. I experienced that mercy. I I experienced that thing that filled that void in my life. I experienced life change. And ever since that moment, since I experienced what I experienced, since I felt the love of God and I felt the peace of God, and since I felt Jesus move in my life like that, I have been compelled from that day forward I to serve him because I figured it out. I found it out. I found the meaning of life. I found this true life. And because I've experienced and I know how powerful it is and I know how real it is, I want everybody else to experience. And so I'll leave my old life behind and I will devote myself to this idea, to this message, to this king. And I will go and I will do all the things that I did. And Paul did it. And he said, I was compelled to. And there at the end, he comes down to 2 Corinthians and he says, listen, he said, all believers. He said, we are compelled because of what Christ did in our life to see it done in the lives of others. And he said, we've been handed, all believers have been handed what he called a ministry of reconciliation. That idea, that message of Jesus, that gospel, that true life. You can find life in the message of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul said for every believer. He said, I want you to understand that I want you to get this because if you've felt it, then you know. Now, here's the deal. I'm sure that there's people in this room right now that aren't believers. I'm sure there is. There always is in every room. There always is. And it's a beautiful thing that you're here this morning. And there's a lot of people in this room, you've been following Jesus Christ for a very, very long time, years longer than me. And I'm so glad that you're here. And there's other people that, that have, have, have just in the last recent months or recent years just started to follow Christ, just started to, to see this and to, and to get involved and, and to feel this life-changing belief and message and gospel through Jesus Christ. And, and there's everybody, all, all types of people are in this room. And this is, what, this is what is the cool thing. This is what the awesome thing about, about what we do here is, is I don't have to convince you of anything. 
I don't have to convince you to believe. I don't have to convince you. My only job is to tell you how amazing and how awesome and how great the king of the world is and to tell you about Jesus and to tell you all that he's done for you, to tell you what he's done for me and to tell you that he can do the same thing for you. And then God takes care of the rest. God moves in your heart. God moves in your life. God reveals it to you. So if you think this is one of those churches that's going to stick us in the corner somewhere and we're going to convince you and we're going to make you believe, no, no, no. I don't want that. I just want you to hang around because here's what I believe with all my heart. You hang around the preaching of God's word long enough, the spirit will move in your heart, will move in your life and reveal to you and make himself known to you. And when God makes himself known to you, it's not something you can duplicate. It's not something you can fake. God says that when that happens in your life, that you will walk away without a doubt, without a question. You will know the truth of life and you will start to experience life in Jesus Christ. And so I don't, I will love that there's unbelievers here. In fact, I want unbelievers here. I want more unbelievers in this room than I want believers. That's my desire. That's my heart because all I want to do is tell you the message of Jesus Christ and let God move in your life the way that God has moved in my life. And so when we get down to it, this is, what, this is what was going on with Paul. This is what was going on with Peter. This is one of the reasons that I believe because in the original, the original movement where Jesus is alive and there was some thought that maybe he'll like lead this rebellion and, and you know, maybe, maybe there'll, there'll, there'll be a movement and we'll be a war and we'll be free and we can fight from Rome. And maybe there was, some, there was something else there that they, could, that they had a reason for following Jesus. But man, after, after they killed him and after he, he rose from the dead and after he, he left and he was gone, at that moment, they had nothing left to gain and everything to lose. But in that moment was when they devoted, they committed themselves to taking this message forward. And what drove them was because what happened to them was real. What happened to them was truly life-changing. And this is the part of the gospel that can't be faked and can't be duplicated. Because when you have that moment, when you have that time with Christ, and he moves in your life in a way that you cannot, you walk away 1,000% sure, I just experienced a life-changing moment in Jesus Christ. You can't fake that, and you'll never be the same. And this is what happened with Paul. This is what happened with Peter. This is what happened with Thomas the doubter. This is what happened with John. This is what happened. This is what happened with those guys. This is what happened with me. This is what happened with many of you in this room. That's why you do life the way that you do life because you had a moment in your life where God opened the door up to himself. He made himself known to you and you believed and you moved forward in that message and in that hope and now you have that resting in you. Now here's the deal. Right, here's the, here's the, the, the thing is that Christ said, all of you, all of you believers, everybody that has found life in me, everybody that believes in me, everybody that's had that moment in their life, I'm going to tell you something. I need you to go about the earth, and I need you to tell the world about what I have done for you. I need you to take this message. I need you to take this message of hope. I need you to take this message of love. I need you to take this message of grace, and I need you to tell it to the world. That's what I want you to do. I want you to go out with the gospel message, and I want you to lead people into a 
will grow in relationship with me. I want them to be able to look in your life. I want them to be able to see who you are, to see the way that you live, to see the way that you think, to see the way that you talk, to see you move. And when they start to ask questions and they start to come to you and they see the way that you love each other and they see the way that you're devoted to each other and they see the way that you take care of each other and they start to ask why and they start to ask why are you the way you are? Why do you think the way you think? Why do you do the things that you do? Why do you live life the way that you live? Why? Then you need to tell them I am who I am because I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. I am who I am because Christ was God Almighty and that he came and gave up his life for me and I know it's something hard to believe and I know it's something hard to take in but if you open your heart up God will make himself known to you and you can experience life the same way that I experience life. That was what he said to do. That's what the church is. That was the message of the church when he left. He said I want you to take what has happened to you and I want you to find that drive. I want you to find that desire in you because it's happened to you to see it happen to everybody else. All right, that's what happened in my life because I found true life in Christ because I remember what it was to be empty and then I experienced what it was to be full because I remember what it used to be lost and now I see what it is to be found because I went through life without him and now I know how good it is to go through life with him because I have found life in Jesus Christ because I have experienced the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus Christ. It is my desire to see all people find the love of Jesus Christ. And so I'm driven for it. It's why I've done the things I've done. It's why I've lived the way I've lived. It's why I walked away from my family in times when they probably needed me. It's why I left everything I knew and everything I loved to go wherever it was that God wanted me to go because I knew that if God was in it and that I had the opportunity to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, then I wanted to be a part of that movement. I wanted to see that happen because I had experienced something amazing and life-changing, something that couldn't be faked and couldn't be duplicated. I wanted all people to find Christ the way that I had found Christ. I wanted all people to find love the way that I had found love. I wanted all people to find purpose in this life the way that I had found purpose. And so that's what drove me to do what I'm doing, to be here before you today, to, to lead this church. That's why I am who I am. That's why Paul was who Paul was. That's why Peter was who Peter is. That's why we have people that come out here to the welcome team that get here 30, 40 minutes early to give you hugs and to shake your hand because they're part of them. They believe. They know. They know that if you could just get in here and you could just hear the message and you could find Christ, they're willing to get up and they're willing to come. That's why we have people that devoted to the kids' ministry. That's why we have, we have young people that give up all of their lives and give up all the dreams that they wanted and give up their business and to give up their thing to come in here for nothing and to serve your teenagers. I, it's because he had a moment in his life where he found this new thing. There was a moment in his life that changed and everything that he thought life was about Right, when he found Christ, he gave up everything else so that he could serve this church for nothing. I'm talking about a youth pastor, if you didn't get that. Right, that's why we have what we have in this church. Because we've got people that have experienced life in Christ, not religion. All right, not pew-sitting, time-wasting, old-school religious church. That's not what this is. This was a movement. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that comes in and changes people's lives forever. Right? That's what we believe. That's what we've seen. That's what we've experienced. We've experienced life in Jesus Christ. 
And because of that, we want to see all people find life in Jesus Christ. That's what this church is about. Right? There's a large portion of American Christianity that don't care anything for the kingdom of God and care only about the kingdom of man. And they want to see the church and they want to see Christ and they want to see the word of God. They want to see it benefit them. And so they've devoted themselves in a religious manner in order to work themselves and work their way to Jesus Christ or work their way to heaven or whatever it is that drives them. And what I'm telling you is that they can do whatever it is that they want to do. But what we want to do is we want to see God change people's lives. Whether there's 10 people in this room or there's 10,000 people in this room, we just want to see God change people's lives. That's all we want to do. That's all we want to do. And last year we come together, we united around a vision. We united around a mission statement. And that mission statement was this. We wanted to create atmospheres where all people could find life in Christ. That's what we said we want to do. We said, listen, guys, we believe in the overall mission of the church that we are supposed to take this message of hope and give it to the world. And we want to create atmospheres where all people find life in Christ. And we did a whole series on this. And, and I wanted to just bring this up at the beginning of this series because I wanted us to remember and I wanted us not to forget that what we do here, what Harvest Cove does here is we create atmospheres where all people find life in Christ. We want, that's why we, we moved into this building it's why we left the warehouse. It's why we built these walls. It's why we built this stage. It's why we built those rooms so that we could serve children. It's why we, we, we built that room over there so we could stick our teenagers in there and just, and just preach to them the message of the gospel. It's why we've done what we, that's why last year we came and we bought this building. Right, because we bought it because we wanted to create atmospheres where all people can find life in Christ. We don't want to build a business. We don't want to build an organization. We, don't want to, we want to build environments and we want to build atmospheres where the message of Jesus Christ will be proclaimed so that any and all people who come can find true life in Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do here at this church. We believe in the movement of Jesus Christ. I don't know what else I can say, but I want to convince you of this. I want you to know if you sit in this room today, if you are a part of this church, that is what we are here to do. We are not here to entertain you. We are not here to make you feel good. We are not here to, to get you. We are here to motivate you. We are here for you to find Jesus Christ. We are here so that God can move in your life, that God can reveal what life is about, that God can show you your purpose so that you can experience the fullness of the life that God created you for. That's what we, that's what we do. And within those atmospheres, within those environments, corporate environments, we want environments in your house, we want environments, atmospheres in your homes, we want families to get together and meet around the word, we want prayer to exist in, in your family, we want prayer to exist in your life groups, we want you to get connected, we want you, we want you to get involved, we want you to do all of these things, we want environments and atmospheres. And we've got some pretty awesome stuff coming up. We, we, we're, we're doing, a, a starting in April, we've got the men doing a Wild, at, uh, a Wild at Heart series. We've got the Cairo, the young men, they're starting the Wild at Heart series tonight. We've got our women's ministry that's right in the middle of a great Bible study. We've got, um, we've got Kathy and some people doing some awesome uh, workout things on Wednesday starting in April. We're going to talk more about that. And we're gonna, all we're trying to do is we're trying to create atmospheres where people can come in and find life in Christ. Everything that we do, we do. For that reason and that reason alone. That's what we do. 
And within those environments, there's three things that we believe heavily in, that we see in the Bible. And I want to read this to us real fast. This is in Acts 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. What I think is so important about this, and there's three things that I want you to understand that we are built on, that we are founded on. When you read this, it's very easy for us to go, and all came upon every soul because of all the wonders and the miracles and the things that were happening. It's very easy to say that people were amazed by, by the way that God moved. People were amazed by the miracles. That's not what it says. It says that they were devoted to the teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship. They were devoted to loving each other. They were devoted to the breaking of bread and communion and to prayer. They were devoted to the faith. And out of that came awe. Out of that belief, out of what was going on, out of the preaching of God's word, out of the apostles' teaching, out of the fellowship, that awe came upon every soul. And then out of that came the mighty miracles and all the things that the apostles did. And so there's three things we take from that that we believe that, that need to be in every atmosphere, in every environment, because we believe there's power in them. And, and the first one we believe in, they're powerful prayer. We want environments where people will faithfully pray and commit ourselves, our dependency on God. Right, there's something that I believe heavily in this place. I believe in the power of prayer. Prayer is something that is a part of my everyday life. Every day I pray. I pray because I know in my heart there's nothing I can do to change your life. I know in my heart if God is not with us, we have nothing. I know in my heart if we had 10,000 people and not the presence of God, we have nothing. And so we pray, and our leaders pray, and I pray that in your life group you're praying, and I pray that you can come here some Sunday mornings and meet here early, and I pray that you can get here and pray with us on, on, on Wednesdays when we have our prayer meetings, and, and when we start that back up, and when we get together in our men's ministry, get together in our women's ministry, and you get together in your life groups, and you get together at your dinner table before you go to bed at night, that you will call out to the Lord in prayer, because prayer is an act of faith, where you come to God and you say, I believe that you are the answer to my prayers. I believe that you are the provider. I believe that you are who you are. You are the great I am. And you put your faith and you put your trust and you put your dependency on God. And you say, not in my power, but in your power. Not in my will, but your will. Not my kingdom, but your kingdom. All of that takes place in prayer. And when you do that, you move the hand of God and God moves down. It's something that even before I got here, the, the, found, this is the foundation of this church was prayer. That was one of the things that attracted me so much to the original group of people that were here is because that was in the center of who they were. We believe in prayer. That's why we pray. That's why we have people that come up here and lead us in prayer. That's why we encourage you to pray because we believe in prayer. We believe that prayer moves the hand of God. And all we need, we don't need fancy gimmicks and teaching and marketing. We just need the presence of the living God. And so we pray. The second thing is we believe in powerful worship. Right, we want an atmosphere, we want an environment where people live out and worship God with their life. It's one of the reasons why we, we do the songs that we sing and we get together and we kick up the music and we worship and we lift our hands and, and we worship God through song and praise because Psalm says that pr the presence of God inhabits the praises of man. 
It says that when we come together and we step out in faith and we sing songs to God and we lift our hands and we shut our eyes and we worship him and we tell him how great he is and how amazing he is and all that he's done, it says that his presence inhabits us. That's why we hear all the time, you know what I hear the most, and I love it every day. We don't come here, listen, I want us to have great music. I want us to, I want it to take off. I want you guys to love it. I, I want to preach good messages, and I want you to hear it, and I want you to believe it. But do you know what I want to hear the most, the thing that I hear the most today, and the thing that I want to keep hearing for as long as I'm pastor of this church? Not that, man, the worship's just so great, or not that the messages are so good, or the people are so good. Do you know what I hear the most? I feel the presence of God at Harvest Cove. I feel the presence of God when we worship. Man, when we sing songs, no one, no one higher, no one greater, man, we just feel the presence of God, and, and that's why we came. That's why we stayed, because we just feel the presence of God during worship. We feel the presence of God. Like, that's because we believe in a tangible, real creator, and that's why we worship. That's why we go after him the way that we do, because we believe that it's all about him. And when he is with us and he is for us, then nothing can stand against us. These are two things, prayer and worship. And the third thing, we believe in his powerful teaching, the gospel message preached. Right? In, a, in the teachings of, of Jesus preached in a very practical way. This is why I do what I do. This is, this is my calling. This is my gift. That's, that's why I spend hours in prayer and study and re, so that I can put together, that I can preach the message of Jesus Christ to you. That's why we have life group leaders that they, they study and they put, together, they put together discussions and groups so that the message of God can be preached. It's why Taylor studies his heart out three, four days a week to preach and teach and lead our kids on, on Wednesday. It's why the children's ministry do what they do. It's why we spend so much time praying and picking out curriculum and advancing in the kids' ministry because we want the message of the gospel preached. Because Romans says, how will, they, how will they, they know if they cannot hear and how if they don't hear will they ever be saved? We, that's why we do what we do. We believe in these things and at the core of it, that's what we have. All right, but I want to talk to you this morning about what happens when God starts to move inside of a church? What happens when God starts to move and to gather? What happens when a few people get driven? What happens when a few people get together and they start committing themselves to this and they start preaching the message and they start moving forward and they start praying and they start worshiping and they start inviting and people start, what happens? What happens? Last year, we had about 60, 70 people almost a year and a half ago. And then in January, we had about 80 or 90. And then over the course of last year, we climbed up above 200. And then over the course of the last few months, we've gotten around from 230 to 250. And a lot of those people, thank God, a lot of those people have come by what? From other churches? No. A lot of those people have come because they have given their heart to the Lord. The unchurched have come in and given their life to Christ. Our church did what? Our church grew. That's what happens. That's what happens when a church gets driven. That's what happens when a small group of people who have nothing put their faith in Jesus Christ and they, they spend the time on their knees and we worship and we believe and we have faith and we preach the gospel message passionately. God starts to move amongst the people and it happened in the days of Acts. On the very first day, there were 3,000 people saved on the very first day. And there was something that started to happen. People started to get saved every day. This movement, where it started, to, it started to take over the area. It started to take over the kingdom. All of a sudden, in a few short years, Christianity was popping up all over the world in massive, powerful ways. And there were immediately needs. Immediately. Immediately, there were needs. 
because Christ called us to do some things. Christ called us to take care of people. Christ called us to take care of the homeless. And so one of the first things that started to happen were there were people needs almost immediately because the governments weren't taking care of the people. The Romans weren't taking care of the people. The Jewish religion wasn't taking care of the people. There was a whole lot of things going on. And Christ says, I want you. I want the Christians to be filled with love and I want you to take care of the orphans. I want you to take care of the hungry. I want you to take care of the widows. I want you to take care of the homeless. I don't want you to have to depend on the government. I don't want you to have to depend on other people. I don't want you to have to depend on the businesses and the works of man. I want you, I'm calling you to take care of the hurting and the lost and the empty. I'm calling you to do it. And so immediately, there were widows. Immediately, there was the homeless. Immediately, there were orphans. Immediately, there were the hungry. And so the church started to put together ways. Peter and the disciples started organizing things so that they would be able to take care of the orphans. In this town alone, that nothing's changed. These are the things that we're going to talk about. Nothing's changed in 2,000 years. The Bible says the poor will always be with us. There will always be people that need the love of Jesus Christ. There will always be people that need the church to take care of them. Do you know, I'll never forget this. I'll never forget this statement. Everybody political, I don't want to get into the politics, but they talk about, they talk about the way the government takes care of people or the government takes care of the poor. And I hear, I hear people on both sides of the politics complaining about this and complaining about that. And, and here, here's my truth. Here's my politics. Here's what I believe. And this is something I believe is so true, you'll never make me doubt it. The reason the government has to do what the government has done is because the church stopped doing what God called the church to do. It was never the government's job to take care of the poor. Christ put that on you and me. That's what it was about. We went to sleep in our pews sometime in the last 1,000 years, and so other people had to step up and start doing what God called us to do. It wasn't the Republicans' job or the Democrats' job or Obama's job or Clinton's job or Bush's job. It's not their job. It's the people who follow Jesus Christ. It's our job to take care of the hungry. It's our job to take care of the widows. It's our job to take care of the people that need life in Jesus Christ. That's what God called us to do. That's our job. Somewhere along the line, we forgot that. All right, but the first thing, this is the honest to God truth, the first thing that they did, they came out, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they preached the message, Peter did, apparently he was pretty good, the Spirit moved, 3,000 people were saved, three months go by, and there's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who are now following the teachings and the message of Jesus Christ. And before they ever built the first church, before they ever built the first location, before they ever built the first four walls, do you know what they built? Soup kitchens. Dead serious. God moves, there's this massive movement of God, and they say, they've got all these resources, they've got all this stuff coming in, they've got the government, and they say, what are we going to do? We've got we to gotta pick up defenses. We gotta, the Romans are trying to kill us, man. We've got all this stuff going on. The, the Jews are trying to kill us. The Romans are trying to kill us. The Greeks are trying to convert us. Well, what's going on? Peter and Paul are like, we've got to take care of the poor. We gotta take care of the homeless. We gotta take care of the widows. It's one of the first things that shows up in Acts. We gotta take care of the people. No matter what happens to us, no matter what we're going through, whether our economy's good or our economy's bad, we gotta take care of the people. We gotta show them the love of Jesus Christ, and then we gotta take care of them the way Christ instructed us to. That's why the Big C Church does some of the things it does. That's why this community is so unique. We've got East Lincoln Christian Ministries, they're an arm of the church devoted to taking care of the poor 
devoted to taking away. If you have a need, they will take care of you. If you need a jacket, they will give you one. If you need food, they will give you one. We'll give you one. I'm sure there's churches all been down this road. If you go in, that's what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be the provision for the people. That's why they do what we do. You got pregnant, the crisis pregnancy center. They, they, their whole thing, they're devoted. They're devoted to taking care of young girls that are going through some of the hardest times any person could ever go through. In that moment, they want to be the ones to take care of them. They want to be the ones to tell them about life in Christ. They want to be the ones that give them the things they need. That's an arm of the church, the big C church. There were people needs immediately, just like there are today. You know the difference, though? The difference in the church of yesterday and the church of today is they were driven to take care of the poor. They were driven to house the homeless. They were driven to see the work of Christ done. The second need that comes up immediately was leadership needs. They needed church planners. They needed teachers. They needed pastors. They needed missionaries. But they didn't just need those things. Like they needed servants. They needed, they, needed, they needed people like Stephen. You know what's so cool to me? It's so cool about Christianity. Do you know the very first martyr, the guy that gave up his life the very first time? The guy that stood before the people and gave up his life and they stoned him and killed him for what he believed? Do you know that he was the greatest church planter that ever lived? Nope. He was the greatest preacher, the most powerful preacher? Nope. He was the greatest worship leader? Nope. He was a teacher? Nope. He was a waiter. Stephen was a waiter. Stephen, we need a waiter to come in. We need you to take care of this soup kitchen so that you can feed the widows. And Stephen said, I will die for this movement if all I ever am is a waiter. It's always needed leadership. The faster the church grew, the more the church grew, the more needs. They needed people to step up and to get involved. They needed people to step up and to go plant churches in, in Macedonia. They needed people to step up and overtake the soup kitchens and overtake the, the movement. They needed, they needed these things. And almost immediately, and Paul was started working through the churches and organizing events and moving leaders from here to there and planting these churches and raising up pastors and raising up teachers. And then they started to leave and those teachers and those church planters that he left behind and they started raising up people to take care of the women and they started raising up people to take care of the man and they started raising up people to take care of the poor. And, and that was what happened. They had leadership needs from the very beginning. And then as the church kept to grow, the people needs got bigger, the leadership needs got bigger. And then all of a sudden they needed facility needs. They had, they had location needs that showed up. And within a few hundred years, it got to where the church was so big, everywhere you went, it was too big for the houses. It was too big for the way they used to do it. And so they started organizing locations. They started putting together these places. So in this town, everybody would come. And this would be because the Romans wouldn't let them worship and the, and the Jews wouldn't let them worship in the temple. And so they said, we got to build locations. And so they started building these little buildings. They started taking over houses. And they started, they started putting, they had to have a place for the soup kitchens. They had to have a place to take in the homeless. They had to have a place to have the corporate prayer and the worship. They had to have a place to start leading people in a growing relationship with Jesus Christ and, and making disciples. They started having a place and they had these needs. And so as this movement kept going that was based off this hope, that was based off this life, these people that were driven, that were driven to see the message of Christ spread, all of these needs started popping up left and right. All of these needs started popping up left and right. And every single one of them were filled. Every single need they ever had from the beginning till right now had been filled. Everything. There was never a time 
when they were for one. There was never a time. You know how I know? Because it still exists today. Because the church of Jesus Christ still exists today. And it's growing. It's growing faster right this minute than it ever has. There's more people following Jesus Christ right now than there ever has been in the history of the world. There are other countries right now that are on massive revivals. The gospel is very much alive. There are people coming in this very room and finding Christ every week. And it's a beautiful and it's a powerful thing. But how were these needs met? How were these positions filled? How did they, the things that they needed, how did God move? How did God provide? Luke tells us. It says, all who believed, this is a key word, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So if you guys just want to go ahead and sign your house over, we'll be collecting those out back. Preferably one on the lake. I'm just kidding. Some of all the new people were like, uh, should have gone to the Methodist church this morning. I knew it. I was going to turn, and I didn't, and I just kept going. Gah. Nah, let me put it like this. That's exactly what they did. Go back. Wrong way. One more time. Here we go. I'm confused. <laughs> Just go to the end. There's no more scripture. Go to my point. There we go. Everybody clap for Steve. Yeah, Steve. And clap for whoever has to edit that out of the video. The believers partnered together using their time, their effort, and their resources to see the mission of the Christ accomplished. This is what God did. He said, listen, I've sent my son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins. And there's a whole lot of people that have found life in Christ. And I'm going to use those people to carry my message on through eternity. And that's what happened. And this is a key word right here. The believers partnered together. The believers, the people, the Pauls and the Peters, the people that had experienced life in Jesus Christ, they, they, they came to a place where they said there is, there is a real truth to this man, Jesus Christ. There's something very divine about this man and what he did. There's something very powerful about his message. There's something very real about what had. There's something very amazing that has happened to me. There's something that has moved in my life. I have experienced it. I've seen it in my wife. I've seen it in my husband. I've seen it in my children. I've seen it at work. Despite what the Romans are doing, despite what the Jews are doing, despite the Greeks, despite the persecution, despite the arrest, despite all of us dying Despite that, there's something so real and so amazing and so powerful and so life-fulfilling that I am willing, I, I'm willing to partner together with other believers to give up what we need to give up to see the message of Jesus Christ keep going. This blows my mind because they gained nothing for it. They gained nothing for it. They gained nothing for it. In fact, they all lost in many ways. But they kept going because it was something very real to them. If you're not a believer and you've never had that, you're not going to understand and that's fine. All right, but if you believe, if you know, if you've had, you know what I'm talking about. It is an overwhelming, amazing peace and fulfillment that comes to your life. And they said, listen, I, I, 
if I got to give up a little bit of land and give some of that money, then I'll do that. If a couple of us have got to work together and we give up, a, each of us give up a little bit of our money to be able to take care of this person, then we'll do that. And that's how the whole thing started. That's how God designed it, that we would come together and we would partner together in the name of Jesus Christ. What he said, I will build my church. I'll build my ecclesia. Ecclesia, the church, the word they use, ecclesia, means gathering. All the people who come together in my name, who gather together to pray, who gather together to worship, who gather together to hear the word of God preached, I will build that gathering. And they will all partner together and they will use the gifts and the talents and the abilities that I've given them to further the kingdom of God so that all people can find life in Christ. That was what the church was, and the drive came from what had happened to them. That's where it came from. That's where it came from. And so we came together, and we said, as a church, a couple years ago, they said, okay, we're going to come together. We're going to commit. We're going to partner together. We're going to devote our time, our effort, and our resources to seeing God's message proclaimed and we're going to call this gathering Harvest Cove. That's what it is. That's what church is. That's what we do. So we come together every week. Some of y'all give so faithfully, so faithfully of your time, so faithfully of your effort, and so faithfully of your resources. This church, since I've been here, there has never been a moment where we needed something and God did not provide it through our people. Not every church can say that. But we have some devoted, amazing people in this church who give and give and give and give so that we can have atmospheres and environments where people come and find life in Christ. And it's amazing and it's a beautiful thing. All right, but the, the massive part of this message today, just an introduction to this series, just an introduction to the series. The real first message is next week. We've come to a place where there's been some awesome things happening in this church. Has anybody realized that we've grown a little bit? All right. Has anybody realized that, that with that growth have come some needs? All right. We've gotten to a place, to our church, to where we're going to have to create some new atmospheres. We're going to have to create some new environments. We're getting to a place to where eventually, I know, when everybody shows up, this place is pretty full already. Eventually, we're going to have to knock down these walls and do some things, and that will come a little bit later. All right. But there are some things that this church heavily believes in. All right, and one of them we believe in heavily is your children, your teenagers, the future of the church. We believe heavily in that. And so we want to invest heavily in that. And that's one thing that we've always, we've always done here. We've always said we don't want to build a church for you. We want to build a church for your parents. I mean for your yeah. We want to raise them from the dead and serve them. We want to build a church for your children, for your young people. All right, for the teenagers that you've got rolling around in your house, for the kids that can't talk yet, that's what we want to invest in them. We want to pour in them. We want them to find life at an early age so that they can go through life with Jesus Christ. That's one of the things that we want to do. And so we have, we have gotten together as a leadership. We've gotten together as a group, and we've said, all right, are we investing well in our kids' ministry? What was the answer? Everybody in the kids' ministry, what was the answer? No. Why? Because we didn't have any money. There you go. All right. That simple. Not because we didn't want to, because we couldn't. We got to a place. Heather and, and Carrie and Chris and Stephanie and those guys that were, that were there have been leading so long, did an amazing job. We asked them to do something so difficult, and we gave them no money, and we patted them on the back and said, there you go. Good job. And I'm going to tell you something right now. They did an amazing job with the nothingness that they had. But God has blessed us, 
And God has moved in this church. And God has opened up the door for us to be able to have a building like this so that we can do some awesome things in the lives of our children and pour into the lives of our children. It's an awesome thing. God has opened up the door for us to, to, to do some awesome things in the life of our teenagers. God has opened up the doors, given up this building. We have an opportunity to build an atmosphere that we can reach out to not just the teenagers in this church, but the teenagers and in the community. We, have, we believe with all of our hearts, if, if there's so many teenagers and young people that are so hungry for God and they are just looking for a place to go, just looking for something to do, and we want to give them that atmosphere. Do you know why a lot of churches don't really devote a lot of their time, effort, and resources to their young people? And I'm just going to be blunt and honest. Do you know why? Because young people don't have any money. And they don't see it as a good investment. So what they're going to devote in, they're going to devote all their time, effort, and resources to the people that can pay them money, the people that can come in and bring the money to the church. Let me tell you something right now. We never had a lot of money. We don't need a lot of money. What we believe in is life change. And so we're going to devote our time, our effort, and our resources into our teenagers and into our young people. That's what we want to do. We believe in that. That's why the first staff member we brought on besides myself was Taylor to take care of the youth. That's why Heather and Carrie and them devoted years of their life to the kids' ministry. That's why Christina Sutton, the woman that you met today, that's why she's come on board to be able to take our children and the children's team to a different level. Right, we believe in your young people. We believe in your teenagers. We believe in your kids, and we want to create an atmosphere for them so that they can hear the message of the gospel preached and that they can, hear, they can be taught on their level in a way that they can take it in and they can understand it. We want to open up a facility so that kids can come and teenagers can come on the weekends and that we can do things for the community. Right, we want to be effective. We want to reach the young people. And there's not a lot of other churches spending a lot of money to reach out to them, but that's what we believe in here at this church. And so there's three new projects that we're going to do over the course of the next few months. One of them is we are going to build a youth. Listen, I told you there was going to be a lot in the day. So I need you to wake up and you look at me. All right, because I'm talking about the future of this church. God has moved, and now we have an opportunity to do some great things. So this is, this is one thing that we're going to do. All right, we're going to do the worship center expansion. This is something that's very, 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 very quick. I'm going to talk about this for a few minutes. Did anybody notice a change in the music this morning? Did anybody? Courtney, everybody's freaking out over here. All right, did it sound a little better? All of the, all of the not-so-young people, all of the not-so-young people, it's been a little loud for you over the last little bit. Was it a little better today? All right? Because we spent a lot of money, all right, investing into what goes on here on Sunday mornings. All right, we've got a complete sound upgrade. A complete, we've got new monitors. We've got this thing that's going to fall on me one day and kill me. All right? We believe. Everybody, and we're working some kinks out. But do you remember when my microphone used to freak out all the time? Be right in the middle of something very powerful. And then all of a sudden I'd be like... And I don't even want to go. Yeah, then we're going to go. Some. Remember that? I do. Maybe you want to cuss on stage. I remember it. I'll never forget it. All right, listen. God gave us his best, and we believe that we owe him our best. And so we got together, we've upgraded the sound, we've gotten the, so that they can be able to do it. We've got us a soundboard where we're recruiting some volunteers to, to start running the tech ministry. We bought a video camera so we can start putting the messages online so that we can see the gospel message go as far as God wants to take it. We we're doing that. We're moving. We've upgraded that with something we've already done. Um, it's been an awesome thing. The band has freaked out about it. You know, again, 
gave the Heather and the children's team nothing, told them to do an impossible task. We gave them some nothingness, and they did a pretty good job, didn't they, with what they had. But we've been opening up a door to be able to do that. So we're going to expand the sanctuary, upgrade our equipment so that Sunday mornings can be the best that they can possibly be, and so that people come in here and they don't go deaf, but they enjoy the music, and they're able atmosphere of worship. That's why we've done what we've done. We've upgraded all of our, our worship and our teaching equipment. It's been an awesome thing. It's been an awesome thing, okay? That's the first thing we've done. We've enhanced this in here on Sunday morning so that we can do the best that we can do and give God everything that we've got. That's number one, all right? Number two, now this is what we're really excited about. Number two, student ministry expansion. Raise your hand if you have a teenager or a young person, all right? Raise your hand if you know a teenager or a young person, all right? Raise your hand if you're going to die one day. Everybody, look at all these people. No, I'm eternal. <laughs> I'm eternal, not me. All right, I'm talking to you, man. I saw you didn't raise your hand. <laughs> he's, a, he's a bodybuilder. They always think they're internal. <laughs> Good-looking bodybuilder, too, you know. We've got this thing in our, I, I, let me tell you something. I, the first 10 years of my ministry, all I did was pour into young people. That's how Harvest Cove met me. I, they invited me to come do youth, little youth conferences and youth services. That's how I showed up in the area. I, and I love, I, we, we love young people. We love, because here's the reality. You're all going to die one day, okay? Can we just say that? We're all going to die one day, and we need a future. And here's some statistics that I want you to freak out about, all right? 86% of teenagers who grow up in the church, go to college, leave the church, and never come back, ever. Why would we invest in them? They don't pay tithe. They don't really bring money. They're kind of just in the way. So we'll develop some programs to babysit them while we teach to the people that matter. All right, that's been a mentality of the church for far too long. Not here. Not here. All right, we're going to invest in our teenagers. We're going to invest in them because I believe that they are the future of the church. They are the future of this country. They are the future, and they matter. And we need to pour into them everything we can, everything we've got. We need to invest in our young people. If there was ever something to clap about, I wish you'd clap about it right now. Let me tell you something. All right, y'all going to make me mad. All right. Let me tell you something right now. Let me tell you something right now. If you want a church where you can just sit and be served and do nothing for the next generation and nothing for anybody else, go to one of the other churches. Take your tithes with you and go. All right, because this church will stand here 50 years from now. All right, I'm devoted. Our leadership is devoted. And our church partners need to be devoted to the next generation. And if you can't get excited about that, this probably isn't a place for you to be hanging out. And I'm just being honest with you. I, I believe in these kids. And so we're going to take what used to be a bar and we're going to turn it into a youth center. All right, and we're calling it the Epic Center. The name of our student ministry is called Epic Student Ministries. We believe that every teenager was created for an amazing, epic purpose. And we want to show them what life is really about. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're taking money and we're taking time and we're taking effort and we're taking our resources and we're investing it into the epicenter. This is not the real logo. This is one that I made. And it's not good, and I know that. But it was free, 
and he gets the point across. All right, we are taking that bar. We're taking that where, where all the things that go on in a bar. Let me just be. Let me just be on. Let me just embarrass everybody that knows me and make sure you know that your pastor was a sinner at one time. I hung around this area a little bit when I was a teenager. I remember what used to be in that bar, and I remember what used to go on outside of the bar, behind the bar, and in the bar. I remember because I was there. And the amazing irony that God has allowed me to have a church here when I used to be who I was over there, it's just an amazing thing in the gospel. All right? And I'm going to tell you something else. I don't believe that there's a lot of just super bad kids. I don't believe it. I think there's a lot of bored kids that want to have a lot of fun because they're excited about life and they're going to go find it and whatever's going to let them in. And it's been far too long that the church hasn't really let them in. And I want them to know that this and what we're doing is here for them. And so we are building this over here to have their own service, their own worship experience on Wednesdays or whatever night we decide to do it and a place they can come on Fridays or Saturdays and hang out with each other and play cornhole or pool and basketball or whatever it is that we pour everything into there, a place where they can worship, a place where they can, they can do their thing and they can fellowship together and, and give them an opportunity, another option than the house parties and the drugs and the sex and all the other things that, that we used to love so much. All right, that's what we want to do over there. All right? And then number three, I could talk about that all day. I know you got to go home. Everyone's going to yell at me, okay? It's raining outside. What the heck are you going to do anyway? Go home and watch TV? Calm down. All right? We got the children's ministry expansion. This is something I have been so pumped about to talk about. I know I've been dropping little hints and everybody's all mad. Like, tell me what's going on. If you're supposed to know, you would know. Now you get to know. A couple months ago, me and Heather, and Carrie Benner, and some of the other children's leaders, we started discussing, we started considering the future of the children's ministry. We started to pray about it. We started to think about it. And we started to go and visit other churches and open up the door. And then we came to this conclusion that there were some things that were going to have to change in our church, some things that we're going to have, we're going to have to give some resources, different things. So we started to pray. We got open up the door, and we chose this. I found this amazing curriculum called Orange Curriculum. We're not going to talk about that much today, but it's amazing. And, and we're going to open up our facilities. We're going to do all this, these different things. And now, listen, when you start to create atmospheres, there's some things that you need within that atmosphere. You need the message, all the things we talked about. You need the leaders, all right, and you need a location. That's what we talked about. All right, and so what started to happen was is, is, is Heather had been doing this for how many years? Is she, is she doing children's right now? She's doing children's right now. That's very good. Heather's in there doing children's like she has been for infinity years, okay? And Heather came, and we came, and she said, listen, I believe that this is the direction we need to go. I believe that this is the direction we need to go. I know it in my heart. And she said, Jordan, I'm not sure that I'm the person, I'm not sure that I can do this and be the head of this the way that I have been the last few years. And so she, we started to pray for our leader. We started to pray for somebody to come. And then out of the blue comes the nice young lady that you met on stage this morning, Christina Sutton. All right, she came in. She's going to be our new children's director. She came in, called to the ministry, called to the children's ministry, had a massive passion, and she said, I believe heavily in this thing called orange curriculum, this orange, this thing that we had already picked out, that we had already prayed, and Heather and I and Carrie and some of us and, that went on our field trips, we decided this is what it's going to be, this is what it's going to be, and then God opened up the door for a children's director to come in who had already had years of experience and passion for what God had put in our hearts to do. I just thought that was awesome. 
No, you know what I mean? And so then, so then we get, we get, we get Christina who shows up, who is a, was a paid staff member, ran this, ran this, uh, this children's ministry, came to us and basically said, I want to do this, I want to do it, I want to do it for free right now, I just want to go in, I just want to devote myself to it, I don't want to talk about money, I don't want any money, I just want to serve the church and build up the children's ministry at Harvest Cove. I was just like, you want to work for free? All right. <laughs> no problem. So she came in and she's starting to put together the team and the team's getting excited, I'm telling you, there's some awesome things coming. And... We're taking everything that you see over here, where the youth room is now, because we're building the, the youth center in the bar. We're taking the youth room right here, and we're taking the hardware store. We're knocking a hole in the wall, and there we're connecting those two. We're building classrooms and a children's sanctuary, a children's auditorium, and we are going to devote that entire area to children's ministry from here on out. We want the... <laughs> Listen, here's what I believe. I believe, and it's not, it's, not a, it's not a pride thing, it's not a competitive thing, it's not a winner's thing, but here's what I want. I believe, and I believe with all my heart, that we can have the greatest, active, effective church for the gospel in the world. That's what I believe we can do. I believe that God has opened up the door, opened up the people, opened up the resources, opened up the opportunities, and it's up to us to have the faith to take advantage of what he has given us. All right, and so we're going to take that. You keep clapping. I've been excited for months. It doesn't matter to me. And if it's getting too long and you need to leave, take off. Love you. All right, so here's the thing. We're going to take that. We're going to take that. We're going we're gonna to build rooms, and we've got the plans, and we've got a little, and starting next week, it's not here today. This is totally my fault. It's not here today, but next week, we're going to have a pamphlet ready from here on out for you to see the ins and outs of everything that we're talking about today. We're just introducing this to you today. And the plans and everything that's happening. We're building classrooms right in the youth room. We're building storage area for the, the one of the things that Heather, I thought she was going to kill me because she gave me a list of things that we desperately need this to go forward. And I looked at everything and I was like, well, I can't do any of those things for you right now. So good luck, all right? We took all those things that she needed, that she spent the last two years knowing. We've been able to put all of those things in there so that we can have an amazing platform and foundation to reach out and pour in to our kids. And so those are the three things um, that we are going to do as a church. We're gonna, uh, we've, uh, we've already upgraded, got some, some new sounds so that we aren't deafening people, but that it's something they can enjoy and, and we don't have the bass over here like thumping our head during the thing. We've got good, awesome music. We're taking the bar and we're turning it into a youth center. We're taking all that. We're turning it in um, to the children's expansion area. We're dumping our money and, and our resources and our effort into the next generation. That's what we want to do in these projects that we're going to do. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. God has provided for us. We have never really had a financial campaign, right? We had, we had one at like similar, you know, listen, I'm young and dumb, no clue what we're doing. Last time we needed to raise a little money, I just got in front of everybody and was like, hey, guys, we need some money. So give it to us, all right? And y'all did. It was awesome. It was very easy. Other churches spent a whole lot of time and effort in research doing all these fancy things, trying to trick you into giving. I was just like, guys, you want to get out of the warehouse? We got to need some money to do it. And so that's what we did. And I'm not changing that strategy at all. This will never be a church that begs you for money. This will never be a church that preaches messages and flips scripture to try to convince you to give money when you don't want to. If you don't want to give money, keep your money. We don't want it. And I'm 
absolutely dead serious. God has provided everything we've ever needed through his people, and I know and believe in my heart he will continue to do that. So I'm going to just tell you this one time. I'm going to tell you what all of this stuff costs. And, and ironically enough, it's the same exact dollar amount that we raised the first time. And the first, it is, that's just weird like that. First time we raised $80,000, and I said, guys, we need $80,000. And I was highly convinced that we would never raise it. And I walked off the stage, and it doesn't matter who it is, but a beautiful, beautiful, amazing woman walks up and hands us, basically hands us $40,000. And God just, and we only had like 35, 50 people at the time, so that was huge. God moved, and he was able to open up this door um, to be able to buy this building, to be able to come in, build everything that you see here, and then buy the building. And now we have an opportunity to do this. And so here's what this all costs. All right, this is a little, there's a, it's a little bit more than what it all costs, but we just want to make sure um, that if we screw it up, we, you know, we need more. We don't have to come back to the well. And so, listen, everything I just talked about, turning the, the whole bar into a youth center, turning the hardware store and the youth room into the children's, uh, to the children's minister, ministry, opening up, upgrading all of our sound equipment, everything involved, and we're taking a small portion of that. We're going to take 10% of that, and we are going to, everything, I just want you to know your, what your church does. Everything that comes in, everything that comes in, we take money out and we give it to the community. Every single, every, you guys pay 10%, we take 10% of everything that we do and we give it away to the pregnancy center, to Eastling Christian Ministries, and we, and we feed kids at St. James Elementary School, and we give stuff to Love Denver, and we support them like we give. We give, and I'm not, I'm not just saying this to brag on us, but I just want you to understand that every time we've given to things like Love Denver, to things like Bonfire Ministries that we just give a little bit to, to other, to F. Uh, to the FCA, that uh, Fellowship Athletes for Christ, or something like that. All those. What everybody tells us, the East Lincoln, and, and is that everybody says, "Listen, you donate more, or at the close to, or more than some of the massive churches in the area." To them, I'm just telling it. What I'm, t- I am proud that even as a small church, we are able to make a difference in this community, all right? And I, we're never going to change that. That's, ne- that's going to be who we are. That's what we do. We have a percentage. The money, guys, we, whatever we set our budget up at, we set aside that money early on in the year, and we just start giving it away. And I, sometimes I get in trouble for giving it away and, and not recording it and, you know, being good stewards of what we're doing. I just give money away. Scott yells at me, and I fix it. So this is the way it goes. But... This is what, this whole project, everything we have costs $80,000. And we believe with all of our heart that we're going to raise this money um, through the course of May. All right? We're not going to talk about it every week. We're going to have some things set up out there. Starting tomorrow, you can donate online to this particular thing. You can already donate online. And here's the deal. I'm just telling you, I'm not going to manipulate you. I'm not going to guilt you. If you see this church as your home church, and you are a believer, and you are partnered with us, and you have experienced God moving in your life, and God has moved through this church in your life, and you want to give, and you want to support, and you want to invest in what God's doing, then I want you to do that. And if you don't, then I don't want you to do that. I don't want you, I don't, I don't want you to stop coming. Well, I don't want to give any money, so I'm not allowed to come. No, I want you to come. I want you to live here. I don't care. I just, but listen, if you know in your heart and God plays it on your heart to give and support and invest in what we are doing, then I beg you to give, support, and invest in what we're doing. All right, because your leaders are, I am, there's people here, God's going to take care of 
of it, and God's going to move, and you have an opportunity to be a part of it. So we're going to mention it every week a little bit. We're not going to talk a lot about it again like we are now. I just want you to know that this is what your church is doing. We're doing some great, awesome, amazing things, and you have an opportunity to invest in that with your time, your effort, and your resources. And if you think that I'm just asking for your money, I'm not. I'm also asking for your time and your effort. All right? We need, once we build this, all right, we need people to serve our children. We need people to get on the ministry team. We need ushers to be able to get here and to, and to welcome people into the sanctuary and to seat them and to do those things. We need welcome team. And we need people. And starting this week and next week, it's going to be more and more. There's sign-up sheets out there for people to get involved in what's going on. There's children's right here. When you walk out, there's the children's ministry. There's sign-up sheets for what we need and what we go. And I'm asking you, give up a Sunday every six or seven weeks and serve our kids, man. Because the first time, I'm telling you right now, the first time God uses you to change somebody's life, your life will never be the same. It is an amazing feeling. And once it happens, it will never be the same. And so listen. I know this has been a little bit odd today. I know it's been a little bit weird. I know we didn't really preach a message, but I just wanted you to know that God is moving in your church. God is moving in the lives of your people. God is moving in the marriages. God is moving and saving, and it is an awesome, amazing thing, and he has opened up the door for us to take what used to be this building a few years ago and turn it into a facility that does nothing that preach the gospel, life-saving message of Jesus Christ. And so we are going to, in faith, step out. We've already bought all this equipment. We're gonna, we've got the architect plans already for there. They'll all be for everybody to see starting next week, and things are going to get awesome. And if you want to be a part of it, I welcome you to be a part of it. And so here's the deal. We're just going to do everything like normal. We're going to have something out there that you can start slipping money into if you want to. You can give it. Just make sure you put it. If it's a check, make sure you put what it's for, the building program or whatever. And, and you can start giving online. And then if God lays it on your heart to do it, do it. And we'll just see what God can do. Um, but if you guys will all just stand with me, the bank can go ahead and head up here. Because I just want to end in worship and just, uh, and just glorify God. Father, I just want to thank you so much, uh, Lord, for everything that you have done. God, I just want to thank you. Um, it's been an awesome ride, Father. It's been an awesome ride since day one. The moment that, that we started doing this thing, the moment that we started to pray, God, the moment that we went through that very first 21-day fast, God, the moment we started meeting together on Wednesdays to pray, Father, for you to move, the moment that you started to move, God. It's been awesome. It's been awesome seeing you work in people's lives. It's been awesome seeing you heal people's marriages. It's been awesome seeing you see and, and move in the life of people. God, it's just been an honor to be a part of it. And I believe with all my heart we are still at just the very beginning of what's happening, God. And I believe with all of my heart that you will move and continue to move in ways that we can't imagine. And I pray, Lord God, right now, this is we're moving into a new era of our church, God. We're expanding, we're, we're building, we're, we're moving over, building the youth center and the children's center. And, and I believe with all my heart, God, that you will provide in ways that you've never provided, Father. And I pray, Lord, right now that you would just let an atmosphere of worship and praise rest in this house, God. And I pray, Lord God, right now, Lord, as we begin to, to move forward during this song of worship, I ask us, Lord God, that all of us join together and that we just start to pray for you to move in the lives of our church, Father. I pray during this song right here, God, as we start this new series next week, God, and we go forward, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you will just start to move in our services, 
that you will just start to move in our lives, that you will start to move in our marriages, that you will start to move in the life of our teenagers and our young people and our children, God, in ways that you never have, God. And I pray, Lord, that you will provide all of our needs, God. I step out in faith, and I believe that with all of my heart, that you will provide all that is needed because you are Lord God Almighty. You are the ultimate provider. You are our guidance and our direction, and we worship you. I pray, Lord, as we just lift our hands and we sing and we worship you in this moment, God, just fill us with an overwhelming joy and presence, God, that we have the opportunity to be a part of a life-changing movement. In your holy and your precious name, amen. Just worship him.